The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damian Thompson. The United States of America described itself in its national anthem as the land of the free. And these days, if you hear those words quoted, they're normally in a questioning or even sarcastic context. But in one respect, America really can claim to be significantly more free than other Western societies. And that's with regard to the practice of religion. The Constitution famously makes no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. In other words, in the very act of declaring that America didn't have a religion, the framers of the Constitution were protecting the right of any American to hold and express any religious belief. And this created the paradox that an officially non-Christian country became more vibrantly Christian than any in Western Europe. We've talked before on this podcast about the free market in religious ideas that was created in America that saw the world's most sophisticated and highly developed society, profoundly materialistic in many respects, also reach a peak of religious observance of church-going as late as the 1950s something that baffles secular theorists. This American exceptionalism, as it was called, is now beginning to fade away. Levels of church attendance, and particularly religious belief among millennials, are approaching the European norm. But religious freedom as an ideal is still very important to Americans. A recent survey by the leading law firm Beckett Law shows that there are roughly similar levels of support, high levels of support for religious freedom among people who vote Republican and Democrat. So this is one respect in which the culture wars have not fractured American society, at least among the general population. So why is there a growing palpable sense of anxiety about the future of religious freedom in America, particularly this year? The simple answer is because Joe Biden won the election. But Joe Biden is a devout practicing Catholic, we're told, and Donald Trump wasn't particularly religious. So isn't that rather strange? I'm going to come back to the subject of Biden later. But first, let me play you an interview I did a few days ago with Andrea Picciotti Bayer, a lawyer who runs the New Conscience Project, which campaigns for the rights of Americans to exercise freedom of religion and conscience. To many people, the idea that religious freedom is under threat in the United States would be a bizarre one, given that the United States is kind of credited with inventing religious freedom. It's written into your constitution. And we certainly in Britain think of the US as a place where people go to church and religion thrives dynamically in a way that it hasn't done in Europe for centuries, maybe. So what do we mean by a threat to religious freedom in America? I mean, even now, more of you go to church than over here. Damon, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think the issue is becoming even more apparent to us during the COVID pandemic, where the challenges to 
free access, not just to worship, but to exercise your faith out in your job, in your businesses, in the school, in the classroom, on college campuses, or even to partner with your government is being definitely handicapped by rules asking Americans to leave their faith home. And could you give us some specific instances of the sorts of things that Americans are being asked to do that conflict with their consciences? Perfect examples have come up in the Supreme Court cases this last term and and the current term that the Supreme Court is reviewing. One is the infamous case of the Little Sisters of the Poor and other religious groups that did not want to include contraceptives in their employee health insurance plans and the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare insisted that they do so. And they were looking for an exemption based on their religious beliefs that providing that was a grave moral wrong. Uh, Other cases have been excluding families and religious schools from accessing private scholarship funds that are offered and supported by the state. Uh, Another was an effort by states to interfere in hiring and firing decisions in religious schools. That was a case decided by the Supreme Court just recently, applying the ministerial exception to Catholic schools and their hiring decisions for religion teachers. What's coming up this term is a really interesting case, and that's where long-term partners with local governments, in this case the city of Philadelphia, are being told that they had to certify foster care parents that were in same-sex marriages in contrast to Catholic teaching on the nature of marriage. And the Catholic archdiocese refused to do so, and the result was they lost their contract. Now, some people might say, well, isn't there a constitutional right to gay marriage in the United States? Therefore, doesn't one person's freedom of conscience conflict with another person's protection under the Constitution? Well, and that's the really tricky scheme that's going on to portray civil rights as being an either-or situation. And they don't have to be. In the case that I mentioned before involving Philadelphia, an accommodation for the Catholic Archdiocese Foster Care Agency didn't mean that same-sex married couples would be denied the chance to foster. They still have 29 other agencies working with the city and the city itself that they could go to to support their interest in becoming foster parents. So it's really a false dichotomy to say enforcing or uplifting religious freedom is at the exclusion of other civil rights. There's a way, and the way to do it is through accommodations and exemptions. Well, let's just talk in a little bit more detail about Philadelphia, because I've been reading about that case. And what struck me was the ferocity with which the city's officials went after this adoption and foster agency, which has been operating for over 200 years. When you have a situation where a Catholic agency is really prepared to go to extreme lengths to accommodate the city by saying, we will refer gay couples to agencies that will place children with them. When you have a Catholic agency that's prepared to, if you like, test the boundaries of the Catholic Church's own teaching to that extent, to then go after it, in that fashion, when, after all, no gay couples had ever approached the Catholic agency in, in Philadelphia 
seems extremely ideological. No, there is a, an exceptional level of intolerance being found in the so-called city of brotherly love by the city officials. And they're very brutish. They were very brutish in how they were um, demeaning the Catholic officials working in the agency and their positions and undermining them and calling them bigots or that, you know, this is not hundred years ago, times have changed. And as we, you know, know, I'm, I'm Catholic and I believe that Catholic teaching is perennial and it doesn't change with the times. But the, the harder point is, does it make it any less of a problem for religious freedom if the city officials are polite in their persecution. And I don't think it does. I think that it's striking when they're intolerant. It's striking when it's clear that the city officials are targeting an agency for their beliefs. But it's just as problematic in the long run if faith-based institutions or people of faith are told you can be part of a solution to a problem in this case, foster care, only if you decide to leave your faith at the door. Well, for four years, we've had an administration which, whether you're in favour of it or not, I think you have to admit, has given a considerable and unusual priority to protecting religious freedom, both domestically and abroad. The big question, the worrying question for many people is, how will a Biden administration approach this area? Because after all, we're talking about new government institutions, executive orders, all sorts of things that the Trump administration did in order to protect religious freedom. So what sorts of things, what will be the danger signals? What sort of things should we be looking out for in Biden's first 100 days? Because I don't believe that he's instinctively totally hostile to religious freedom. He is, after all, a Catholic, albeit of a very heterodox variety. He did supposedly disagree with Obama on the subject of the Little Sisters of the Poor. So what will be the benchmarks, as it were, in the first hundred days? I mean, that's a, a fantastic question. And I think you alluded to it uh, in the beginning. It's looking at how how he responds to what was done before by the prior administration, by the Trump administration. Does he actively, proactively undo executive orders like executive orders um, protecting religious statues from uh, desecration and, and saying and destruction and saying that all of the federal statutes protecting religious sites will be enforced? Does he put people in place in his administration that are committed to the cause of religious freedom, whether they're at the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, the Department of Education, or even the Department of Justice? Does he keep those working groups and those special offices in place, or does he dismantle them? And the third would be the enforcement. Is he going to have his Department of Justice, the Solicitor General's office, change positions midstream on some of these important legal cases? Or does he continue to advocate for a robust understanding of religious freedom? The fourth, and this is a very critical and crucial area, is international religious freedom. Right now, the State Department has been incredible in its leadership on the international front in promoting and advancing the cause of religious freedom. 
is he going to replace Ambassador Sam Brownback, renew his ambassadorship? Is he going to quickly fill it with someone just as committed and just as respected in the international world? And is the Department of State going to continue to have the charge to work with allies in encouraging bad actor states to change their tune? Your own project, the Conscience Project, is non-partisan, and I hope I, I'm not embarrassing you by pointing out that you um, actually worked for the Clinton administration. One of the things that surprised me in Beckett Law's new report on religious freedom was actually how close Republican and Democrat voters are on the subject and the importance of religious liberty. And that struck me as a hopeful sign that maybe religious freedom is still wired into the American DNA. It's just that maybe the Washington elites, um, and for the metropolitan elites, whatever you want to call them, have forgotten that. I think you're absolutely correct in that, Damien. I think that the average American has a very important personal fondness for the role of religion in their life and a respect for the place of religion in the lives of their neighbors. The leadership may be a different issue, and it's going to be a very important matter for the Biden administration to look at studies like the Beckett Report that say Americans in general, regardless of what party affiliations, still care about religion in their lives and believe that religious freedom is that should be enforced and protected by the government. That was Andrea Petrotti-Bayer of The Conscience Project, speaking to me a few days ago. And listening back to that interview, I noticed that I'd referred to reports that Joe Biden had opposed Obama's wish to clamp down on the Little Sisters of the Poor for their opposition to contraception. But now, as president-elect, he's planning to go after them. And also, although as a Catholic he's always dissented from the Catholic Church's strict teaching on abortion, in recent years, even in recent months, Biden has become increasingly ferocious in his support of late-term abortions that not just Catholics regard as something close to infanticide and would certainly be illegal in this country. So, what happened? I don't think it's any great mystery. The Democratic Party these days is increasingly left-wing. When influential figures in the party discovered that they were likely to be saddled with Biden as a candidate, they approached him and they said, look, Joe, the price of our support is that you abandon any Catholic principles which might remotely conflict with the magisterium of identity politics. Now please sign here. And Biden thought about it for a minute and when he remembered his name, he signed. And he'll be expected to keep on signing, signing away, that is, the protections for religious freedom set up by the Trump administration. I'm quite certain that this will happen, and also that President Biden will have nothing to fear from the leader of the Catholic Church. Pope Francis wanted him to win, for many reasons, but one of which was that the Secretary of State in the Trump administration was drawing attention to the very sinister pact with China, the world's leading persecutor of religious believers, that the Vatican has just renewed. Biden's Secretary of State will make no such protests. And domestically, the only religious believers, or quasi-religious believers, who will be defended under a Biden administration are those that adhere to the creed that is pretty close to being established by law in the United States. Identity politics. 
The enforcement of this secular creed violates both the letter and the spirit of the US Constitution. I think that should go without saying. But I have a theory that it taps into something older than the US Constitution in the American psyche. A witch-hunting Puritanism that's one of the most unfortunate legacies of America's English roots. When new Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett was nominated, she was portrayed by progressives and their media allies as some sort of barking-mad fundamentalist. But if you listen carefully, it was actually her opponents, people like future President Harris, who were saying, to paraphrase Arthur Miller's The Crucible, I saw Goody Barrett with the devil. But more of that in a future episode of Holy Smoke.